1: Welcome to law Pod by Queen's University Belfast. My name is Melissa McDonnell and I am an undergraduate SWAN representative for the School of Law. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss study options available to Level 2 undergraduate students and to consider the career paths which they may facilitate. This podcast will focus on legal theory, therefore if you're a Level 2 law student This podcast is worth listening to as module selection for third year is approaching very, very soon. With me today, I have two speakers. Mark Hanna is here from the School of Law and Claire McCann is here from the Northern Ireland Human Rights Consortium. So let's get started. Mark, we're going to start with you. So can you tell us what legal theory is and what the module is about and how it is taught in relation to lectures?
0: Uh, Okay, so uh, legal theory, yeah, it's um, it's a module that uh, students have the option of taking in the third year if they're undergraduate studies. Um, And uh, it's essentially. uh, uh, Well, the clue is really in the name. It's a it's a module about the theory of law. Um, And that's a subject that really students won't have come in contact at all with beforehand. uh, and it's been quite different in some respects from some of the more doctrinal legal subjects that they take so it's really quite uh, I mean if you were to boil it down to what is legal theory about it's I guess you could say that it's about the question what is law and looking at law in a more kind of abstract um, way um and I you know I think that that's um a very valuable thing to do actually and you know some universities uh you know uh encourage your students or actually oblige your students to take legal theory courses in the first year of their legal study because it helps them to develop the analytical skills and to be able to think about law in that kind of abstract way which is is really essential for working with law um so that's really what it is it's it's a it's an optional module and it used to be um a, 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 a obligatory module for students who are studying law but in the last few years it's it's an optional mod module now so it's It's a a choice there for students to take.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, Can you tell us how legal theory is assessed?
0: Legal theory is assessed through uh, coursework. Um, There's no exam for it. It's through uh, essays. Um, And the essays that I've done together on the course, uh, together with Dr Catherine McNeely, who's a module coordinator, we have done it in the last two years as the, the we break it down into two parts, and there's an A part and a B part to the assessment. So, uh, and altogether, that's about four thousand words. So, two two thousand word uh, essays.
1: Okay, and what do you think are the benefits or advantages of choosing legal theory for students?
0: Um, I think you know, uh, as I kind of said before, you know, I think it's really a, a subject that teaches you to be able to work with law on another level. Um, I think you know. Essentially, I think what it helps students to do is to be able to think critically about law and to work with law on a more analytical level. Um, And I think that, you know, it's not uh, compulsory for students to take that course anymore. And so they don't really I think there's been a move away from really seeing it as being a a key skill, the law. But uh, the last university I worked at in the Hague, actually, we had um, a professor who came from Harvard um and he had done empirical research asking employers in America you know what skills that they were looking for in the graduates who were coming out of law school and he said you know um all of the employers that they surveyed were really t- the top skills that were looking for was creativity and kind of innovative skills and being able to think critically about things and i think that that's fundamentally what you get from a legal theory course um because you're asking the questions of you know what is law and uh, i think with you know, law in, ter- in in comparison to some of the other STEM subjects now, I mean, there's a kind of renaissance around those STEM subjects and things because there's this great excitement about them because there's a feeling that uh, when you study them, you know, things like uh, quantum physics or uh, um, biology and, and botany and things like that. And even, you know, in terms of computer science and a- uh, AI and things, that there's this uh, kind of... Feeling that there's so many once you start studying those subjects and um, it suddenly becomes clear how many things that you don't know and the subject kind of opens up and has such a kind of rich depth to it. and I think people are really attracted to that now um, and but laws become you know doctrinal law and the study of law isn't typically been like that because you just study the rules and if you know the laws sort of thing then. It's quickly, you know, the more you study it, the more, you know, and there's no real unanswered questions for it. And so legal theory is really taking a deeper look. And there is once you start looking into legal theory and really looking into what is what is law and what's the function of law in society, then it really opens that subject up. uh, And I think it makes it a lot more interesting. And again, that is something that, you know, helps students to, to develop, you know, kind of mental aspects that they hadn't developed in the rest of the degree. So. Uh, I think there's huge cognitive uh benefits to to studying legal theory uh, and it's just studying law on another level and I think it really might give students that edge when they come to to the job market that that you know that they have that kind of level of critical thinking
1: okay, and as you said, legal theory is interesting, but what would you say to students who are perhaps apprehensive about taking it on uh
0: well, I think you know the thing is and um, I've said this uh uh, to Catherine many times as we've talked about it is nobody knows what legal theory is before they do it. And um, because it's different from the more doctrinal legal subjects, where it's just about learning rules and arguing about the meaning of those rules, uh, there's been no there's no real experience before in the, the two years previous to the legal study about what legal theory is and about asking the questions that we're asking in legal theory. Um, so I would say, first of all, that students should have an open mind. I don't think it's for everybody, uh, but I do think that it's for a bigger class of students than they realize. Uh, and I think that, you know, you have to have an open mind about the subject and try to find out more. And this is probably one of the good things maybe about doing a podcast is, you know, that it hopefully, you know, it makes other people who wouldn't traditionally think about it, that they would think about it. Um, I think we we'd like to see a bigger diversity of students come to it. Um, but, I, you know, I think one of the from what I understand, one of the uh, concerns that students maybe have about it is they think it's going to be a difficult subject and it is maybe difficult in some ways. But I don't think it's more difficult than other subjects. And if we looked at the marks that, uh, that typically that students get on the course, they're in line with marks in other courses. And uh, students generally done, do very well on the course. So uh, I think, you know, the message I would say is that to students is to keep an open mind and to investigate really what it's about and to consider that it would give them some real benefit in terms of critical thinking, cognitive abilities about working with law that would be important for a legal career or indeed in many other careers. Um, and yeah, I think that's that would be it.
1: OK, and in your opinion, what skills do you think um, students gain from the module?
0: Uh Yeah, again, critical thinking skills would be the major one, uh, thinking critically about the law and because law is such an institution, you know, in society. And typically we don't question, you know, what what is law, what's law for and really is law functioning properly in terms of society um, and how should law be developed? It's such an institution. It's come down to like, you know, from ivory towers in many senses. And, you know, it has a lot of ritual about it. that uh, that (laughs) if you think about, you know, how the courts operate here and the wearing of wigs and and, uh, that everyone rises when the judge comes in and things like that, that's all this ritual around law is reflection of the fact that law is such a deep institution in society and that people don't question law nearly as much probably as they should or analyze it and really think about what it is and what it should be for. Um, so I think there's like a massive um, a, a b- advantage in terms of developing critical thinking. And, you know, the con- and working with theoretical concepts about what is law and, and going through the material that we go through, you know, I think students learn a certain intellectual dexterity, let's say, uh, and they train themselves in a certain intellectual dexterity and working with those concepts that are, a bit different from these kind of cut and dry rules. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, if you're going into a legal career, it's I think it's really essential to have that kind of ability not to be phased by theoretical complexities. And certainly if you look at the the judges, you know, in, uh in uh, the judiciary, a lot of the top judges do have that ability to when they're faced with kind of theoretical complexi- complexities, they're not phased by it and they're able to deal with them and deal with them in a kind of very practical way. But that's a sort of theoretical skill set that they have. So I think, you know, if you're going into a legal career, it's very useful. But I also, as I said, I think it's that kind of critical thinking and that ability for abstract thinking is also has is a very transferable skill and it's a skill that has ma- massive applications in, in many different professions and and i think that that's really what employers are looking for and of course employers don't always articulate it like that and people think well i need to get this uh, subject you know i have to have company law and i have to have this but this is a skill that you know that it really is required in the workplace especially the workplace that's evolving modern society today you know and uh, maybe employers aren't articulating it as such as like that but i think that really when you dig into it that's exactly you know one of the things that they are looking for
2: yeah i would like just to re-emphasize that i think what legal theory gives in a way that maybe other law subjects don't is an imagination imagination creativity about how you approach the subject because you're coming at it from a completely different direction you're not coming at it as application of rules and how can i think about this rule a little bit differently you're actually rethinking what that rule is for and saying, well, what's it trying to achieve? Is it achieving that thing? Is there a better way of achieving that end? And from a policy perspective, which is where I come from, that's hugely important, but also from the pragmatic legal development of rules, it's really important that you have people that are pushing to reinterpret these in a new and interesting, divergent way from how... The doctrine has been interpreted before, so I think that's the real advantage of it. Yeah,
0: and I think the, the key word there is creativity. In yeah. a sense, you know, we don't really associate law with creativity, but there is a creativity in, in these kind of theory in this theoretical approach to law, and that's looking for alternative solutions and questioning, you know, established institutions. I think that is the hallmark of creative thinking. So I think that you know that's that I would emphasise that point as well. It it really is about. Uh, engendering a kind of creativity and in the thinking of of law students as well.
1: Okay, um, so around certain modules there's myths and perceptions that they're only for females or males, um, which is totally untrue. What is the typical gender breakdown of students on the legal theory module?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I don't have the statistics in front of me, but uh, to my mind, um, I think... It's more or less even, I would say. Um I don't see a huge disparity in that. Um it might be a little bit more that female would take the subject, but I don't think uh there'd be a huge disparity in that sense.
1: Okay. And um how do students then perform typically in the module like you said? Um overall it's typically good, but have you got any more information on that or?
0: uh typically good i think you know generally in the range of two ones and uh, we don't have many fails to be honest and that's probably goes against the popular conception about the subject i think people hear the word theory and they think oh no that's going to be really difficult and you know there's there's no hard fast answer and therefore there's real room for failure one of the things i always say to students at the beginning of that course is Yeah, there might not be like hard and fast answers the way there might be in some of the other subjects like, you know, what are the conditions of the formation of contract? And you can kind of go through them in a list and sort of way might not have that same kind of uh, concrete formula to learn in it. But that works two ways. It also means that what we're looking for when we're assessing students is not that they're able just to do rote learning, but really that they're able to show that kind of creativity in their thinking. And I think you know people, students underestimate themselves in that respect, and and you know, we see you know that students really do have that facility, and uh, that's why they generally tend to perform well in this subject. You know, once they just uh, know that that's what we're kind of looking for, and and focus their efforts in that respect.
1: Okay, thank you. And now we're going to move to Claire. Um. So firstly, can you tell us a bit about your background and your current role? Sure. Um.
2: Well. Um, I am from here and I went to university in Dublin at Trinity College, um, which was a really doctrinal university. Most of the lectures I had there were barristers, so they taught about the rules and how they were applied. Um, so that was my kind of legal training um, when I was an undergrad. Um, after my degree, I stayed in Dublin for a few years, I worked in a law firm, I worked in the Irish Human Rights Commission, um, and I did my master's part time. And my master's was that moment, I call it my red pill moment, which you might not get for younger listeners, because it's a reference to the Matrix, which I now know is 20 years old, which makes me feel incredibly old. Um, but it was the thing that kind of stopped, made the scales fall off my eyes. All of a sudden, all of these rules that were a given were being reinterpreted in front of me because there was there was something more, there was a reason why they existed. All of the assumptions upon which the legal system is based were kind of being pulled down in front of me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's all starting to make sense. Um, so I've had the good fortune during that to live six months in South Africa in Cape Town. And um, I then moved back um, to Dublin and decided to apply for a PhD in Queen's. Um, and after my PhD, I worked for a while in the higher education sector in England, and I moved back to Northern Ireland three years ago, and I'm a policy officer with the Human Rights Consortium. So that's a potted history of my background. Um, and My current role as a human rights officer is a policy-based role, so essentially our job is to feel in, feed into macro-political discussions on human rights issues in Northern Ireland, um, and if necessary, at a UK level or an Irish level, um, given the context of um, the Belfast Good Friday Agreement and the human rights safeguards within that but also because we're a membership organisation to do outreach with our members around Northern Ireland um, and work with what they're interested in etc so it's kind of a, a macro looking up and a micro looking down and working on issues with our members as well.
1: Okay thank you. Um, did you study legal theory as a student and can you tell us a bit about it? Um, did I study legal theory?
2: No. And I feel that that, I mean, I should probably paraphrase that slightly because I did in my undergraduate degree um, constitutional law in Ireland. And Irish constitutional law has built within it a whole, um, I suppose, arc of reasoning in relation to natural law theory and positive law. And that's built into studying um, constitutional law in Ireland because there is a whole range of cases where they develop this human rights theory from natural law. Um, it's a very particular interpretation of natural law. Um, it's very Catholic in its origin, etc. Like a lot of natural law theory is. Um, but it wasn't until I did my master's that I started to engage with theory. Um, and at that point, I was actually able to re-engage with those narratives that i have been thinking about as an undergraduate doing constitutional law, but also the underpinning theory behind all of that law that i have been working on previously and understand a bit more that... The legal system and how it works and how it operates isn't a given. It's structured in a way to make it work in a particular way. And that has happened over time through traditional mechanisms, et cetera. Um, and it really was as a postgrad that I was able to have that moment where I was able to reinterpret what I'd learned as an undergraduate. So I think you're really lucky in
1: Queen's to have the opportunity to do it as an undergrad. I think it's brilliant. Every student should do it. So Mark touched upon um, legal theory being abstract. Um an abstract uh, subject to study, how can it be of use in practice today? Um, well, we've
2: talked about creativity and how it lends itself to creative thinking and and to, I suppose, thinking about problems in a different way, thinking about solutions in a different way. So if you're a lawyer, for example, or a barrister and you're making arguments or just trying to think imaginatively about how you make them. In terms of my job um, in as a policy worker, it's really important because it helps you identify those structures that exist in society that are the reasons why things work in a certain way. And if you know that they exist, you can see them. It's like well, it's like the matrix and why I use that reference, because when you can see the structures, you can never unsee them. And that's what critical theory gives you. So any policy document I'm working on, for example, I'm very conscious of the legal structures how they operate and why they operate as they do to reproduce and reinforce certain things and when you care about social justice like i do and and so the reason i work in the area i work in is because i care about those things i can actually see how these systems can be used both to oppress but also to empower people and it's about finding a way to flip these narratives about how the legal system works in a particular way to think about it a bit more imaginatively so actually it feeds into every piece of work I do, every engagement I do with a member organisation, whether it's, um, you know, talking about uh, a particular human rights issue or whatever, that, that kind of legal theoretical underpinning, when you get beyond the heart and the um, working or whatever, it's actually about how you think. Once you get past doing essays and past um, education out into the real world, it actually just changes the way you think, and that's what makes it really useful in any job you do.
0: Can I just also say I, I didn't want to use the word abstract as a bad word sort of thing. Um, and I think that it's problematic to, you know, uh, to distinguish too much between what you call abstract and what you call practical. I think, you know, any practicing lawyer uh, to be successful needs to be able to deal with some level of abstraction, you know. And there's really, if you look at the key skill in the arguing legal cases, there's a lot of abstraction involved in that and abstracting. You know legal principles down and, and reapplying them in other sort of senses so i think uh, i don't mean abstraction in any kind of sort of um you know woolly pie in the sky sort of thing but a applied abstraction
1: okay um so claire what types of theories influence your work in policy
2: um well i suppose the theories that i find most useful to my work are critical theory Um. And don't get me wrong, like, Hart's really important to understanding how the UK constitution works. And Kelsen's really good at helping you understand how international law frameworks work and how they interplay with, like, you know, what's happening on the ground. Fine. And I have to engage with some of these kind of abstract concepts in the work that I'm doing because I work on Brexit. So you need to understand this interplay between Northern Ireland's constitutional structure with the UK constitutional structure with the European constitutional structure. And so those drier, theorists i suppose underpin some of that thinking although i don't really think about it that much but the things that really impacted on me and impacted how i think were um critical theories so whether it's feminism critical race theory queer theory etc these were the things that started to break down the boundaries between what were before that very clear white lines about where um the logic of something was. If you engage in critical race theory, you can never again look at the legal system without seeing it as an institution of white power you engage in feminist theory you can never again look at the legal system and not see it as an institution of male power you know so I'm in a very privileged position being you know white middle class well educated cis and um, heterosexual etc you know I, I'm kind of in that comfort zone of society and what critical theory does is it reminds you that all of those things that you treat as normal are just because we've built the system around how I see the world and so it really helps me kind of check my privilege, for want of a better term, and check how I think about things, to not to think that my norm, my worldview, is the worldview that everybody else has. And so that's where I think critical theory has a real, has a real value.
1: Okay, that's very interesting. Um, so if students were to take on legal theory, how would they be able to contribute to your work in policy or your organisation?
2: Well, I think, and I've said this already, I think once you get out into the real world, it's not about the theories and who said what, etc. I think it's how you think. And I think once you've once you've embraced it, you can never go back. And that's why I love the Matrix analogy, because what happens in the Matrix, and I'm sorry for anybody who hasn't seen it, but I think it's cultural knowledge now. What happens in the Matrix is you have Keanu Reeves, gormless guy, walking around, doesn't know what's happening. And you have somebody saying to him, I have the chance here to tell you how the world really works and you can either choose to ignore it and go along in your gormless little face and whatever or you can take the red pill and you can be plunged into a world where all of a sudden you can never see the world without all of the matrix around you. And I think from that moment on, from the moment you engage with theory, you can never go back to not having that knowledge. It just flips the switch in your head and it will affect every conversation you have every conversation you have down the pub with your mates over something you'll just see the world differently and there's no going back from that
1: um, In the Human Rights Consortium is there any internships or placements available for students at level 2 or level 3? We
2: don't have enough funding to have um, internships or placement opportunities with students we are a very small organisation we are four members of staff Um. We currently have one staff off maternity leave. And we don't know whether we're not going to be able to afford to have somebody in to cover her work over the period. So that's the um, kind of stage of funding that we're at. We do have volunteer opportunities, however, and when we have them, they're usually for specific projects. Um, for example, during our Human Rights Festival, we um, rely on volunteers to help us out in um, the organisation, running events, etc. when we have... Um, large conferences, things like that, we often um, put a shout out to the universities, to Queen's and to Ulster to see if we can have students who would like to volunteer their time um, to be involved with that organisationally or helping on the day, transcribing, etc. So we do have very discreet volunteer opportunities, but because of our funding situation, unfortunately, we don't have the capacity to have intern, interns or placement students because we just don't have the funds to be able to pay them, even... Um, a uh, uh, kind of expenses level, but you know, as a human rights organisation, we think oh, everybody should be paid for the work that they do.
1: Okay, and as a final question to yous, both you have any general tips or advice to level two students or people at the stage, this stage in their degree, for choosing their modules? Do I have any tips? You both, yeah.
2: Choose something that you're passionate about and that you're really interested in. Interested in choose something that will challenge you. I think legal theory is intimidating for law students because it's so different to what you've done before. But the rewards are so vast that you can never undersell it. And so I definitely think that's really important. But anything, just choose something you're passionate about and, um, you know, put your life and soul into it.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that completely. Um, I think uh, I think students now today are so strategic about and they're thinking so much about what boxes that they have to take and things in a really formalistic way. And I don't think I'm not criticising that. I understand it's a lot to do with the competitive marketplace for jobs and everything. And that's necessary to an extent. Um, And so I, I think that I understand that students would want to do that to some extent. But I, I always think there's room for taking uh, subjects that you know like legal theory and and subjects that maybe don't fit in neatly to boxes about you know what their career aspirations are but obviously have this kind of uh, facility of developing them in, them in new ways and developing new skills and developing their creativity and develop their criti- critical thinking and stuff um so i you know i think that legal theories certainly you know an excellent one for that and as i said before i think it really underpins a lot of those other you know if you're Not only underpinning, you know, like your legal skills in general and as you go forward in their career or whatever, but also your study of other subjects. You know, if you're studying other subjects, uh, developing the skills that we're developing in legal theory will help you in studying those other subjects as well.
1: Okay, thank you both. You have been listening to Law Pod, an informed take on current events brought to you by the law students and staff at Queen's University Belfast. This episode was produced by Melissa McDonnell and Catherine McNeely. Our theme music is Colonel Chocolate and the Justice Triangle. LawPod is funded by Queen's Law School and the Queen's Annual Fund. Thanks to Mark Hanna and Claire McCann for coming in today. You can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at QEB LawPod. For more information, you can visit our website lawpod.org and please have a look in the show notes for more information about the topics covered today. You can also find us on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I am Melissa McDonald. This was LawPod.